0: I guess I was this way, like, always. As long as anybody can remember what I was like, people who know me well say I was always like this. This being, um... I used to just... I was so convinced when I was a kid. 29. um, No, earlier than that, too. When I was a kid, I was so convinced that I could... uh, pretty much probably understand any language. I just thought I had this ability, I could probably like, if I listened really carefully, I mean, I know I know English words, maybe it'd be kind of sound or context. I don't know why I have this, I just feel I would hear people speaking other languages and I would listen in because I was kind of sure that I would be able to understand them. And I told my brother this many times and he would say, what are they saying? I would tell him. I mean, I couldn't understand him. But um, I didn't want him to know that. But I just, when I finally admitted to myself, you know what, I didn't really, I don't know Hindi. I don't know what they're saying. It was hard for me. I also had that thing that, uh, I just couldn't understand why I couldn't, like, if my keys are right there and I want them, I feel like I have that kind of mind or that Harry Potter thing. I could get him to come to me I just it hasn't worked yet, but I still try. It just seems so natural. I feel like I there's. I feel like I can do these things. They seem simple. I've never felt limited by the uh, you know the physical plane. Um, so, but uh, I feel the same way about uh, economics. I can just understand it like intrinsically. Never studied it, uh, never took a class in it, but I just kind of, I kind of can feel it. You know, I kind of, I just kind of know all these things work. I know there's macro, I know there's micro, you got both ends of the economic spectrum, and then in between, mid economics. But so, I, that's why I wanted to, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about this today, because I know that a lot of people, a lot of people are becoming really uncomfortable uh, with the state of the economy, the uh, inflation. Uh, prices are up, like 10% more than what you spent last year at the same time. That's a lot. That's a lot in your budget. Um, and the way they talk about it, it's just, it is a little bit scary. Don't, you know, if you are lucky enough to have a retirement plan, do not look at it right now, because uh, you'll be scared. This is what my dad tells me. Um, and uh, this makes a lot of people feel like, I mean, everything. the whole world is messed up. And people have felt so insecure, so untethered, so full of fear and so isolated that this whole thing, this economic thing, I mean, I've been telling people that this is almost worse than, they, than going through the whole time of the pandemic, this notion that you know, this inflation is as high as in 40 years. I mean, you remember what the 70s were like. Okay, not really that much. Um, but economics were bad back then. That's just a gut thing. Um, but, so I wanted to come here and I want to talk to you a little bit about this thing you're feeling. This thing you're feeling, if you are feeling it, those of you know. Um, that fear, that fear, the anxiety about what's going to happen with the economy and uh, the future of being of your jobs, a recession, all these things. This fear, I want to talk a little bit about this because this, there's a name for, for what you're feeling. And that uh, is foundational capitalist spiritual distortion. It was a real phenomenon that really it used all this cell phone information, and uh, from Google phones and then what Google looked, um, the data that they get through searches, which you no know, names are attached to it, they say, so this is like just solid information, um, based on what people search for, and keywords and phone conversations, uh, that... People's economic states are making them feel very unstable, very full of fear, and uh, hopeless in a way that this just might be the tipping point for many people. And uh, they seem, when they look at all this data and the way people talk about things having to do with the economy, that it doesn't track... Like an economic situation, uh, conversation, it tracks with the vehemence, the uh, repetition, the words, um, it tracks more like conversations about religious belief than it does about, uh, money, economics, bills, or whatever. It, uh, it tracks like people are talking about their own foundational beliefs. And, uh, The point being is that clearly money, the economy, functioned in the most real way as the assumed foundation, foundational beliefs of our country. I can't speak to the world because I think Google's just here, but I'm sure it's different other places, the same other places as well. And I mean, obviously, that is, uh, that's disturbing, you know? And furthermore, when you think about, okay, the Fed, right? They're fixing this for us. This is why I'm telling you how this works. The Fed, is going to fix it for us because we're so scared. Inflation is going up because people are spending things, but there's not enough things to buy. People are buying it too much, so they have to raise the prices because they can't, you know, they can't get all the goods and services they want. And so the Fed, they say that, they, um, that the chairman of the Federal Reserve, right, is the most powerful uh, man that there is in America, even more than the uh, president. I know you thought it was Christian cinema, but it's not. Um, Alan Greenspan, who was the second longest federal uh, chair by nine months, but almost 20 years he was the chairman of the Federal Reserve, through a time of like crazy economic growth, and his whole thing was inflation, keep inflation down. That was his whole thing. And that's what people know him for. But really, what he is known for is this revolutionary tool he developed in fighting inflation. Like, okay, what is the main tool the Federal Reserve has to fight inflation? Interest rates, right? Interest rates, that's what they do. That's all they do. They're very powerful, but all they can do, they do this one thing. They raise interest rates. But Alan Greenspan figured that what they're trying to do by raising interest rates and lowering them is to affect the way people act. Spend more, spend less, buy more things, buy more service things, buy more. Uh, So he said what is more important is the what we communicate to people. Borrowing from advertising, and I don't know if you remember that he would do this, he would have these uh he would have these press conferences and he would say, like Almost poetic things—things things that would try and evoke some emotion in people—wouldn't tell them exactly what's going on when they talked about the state of the economy, and people would try and parse it out. But he created this idea that he could develop, get people to act based on what he said and how he said it, and. Change people's behavior and affect the economy in ways greater even than raising or lower interest rates will affect the economy. And ever since then, they do, they do the same thing. They've been doing the same thing. So, um, today, when they raise interest rates, like they have three quarters of a point, they're not doing that because, well, okay, it would be a good idea to do it. Maybe they're doing that too. But, uh, hey, who's the economist here? Um, I think they're also, they're hanging all of their social media, um, content and all their communications to the country on that interest rate change. So, seriously, when they raise the interest rate by three quarter percent, the communication, the news reporting, the conversation by the water cooler, all that has a greater effect on the economy People change their behaviors based on that. Far greater than the change of interest rates. Again, this looks more like a religion than it does some kind of science. Is economic science? I know there's adding in it. like think that's science. Yeah. Anyway, so that's kind of like my gut understanding of economics and how things are going on. Um, I'm going to move on. Blessed is the man or woman, one, the one who finds wisdom, the old wise ones say. And blessed is the one who gains understanding. Wisdom. She is the one. She'll take care of you in a way that a fat wallet and a six-figure income on a smartly timed portfolio never will. Wisdom. What do you want out of life? Wisdom. She's got it. Really, think about it. What do you truly and really want when you can feel what you're really feeling way down in the bottom of your sour guts? What do you want? What is it that you keep dragging yourself out of bed every day for? Wisdom's got that. Long life is in her right hand, Her delicate wrists and strong fists hold it loosely, loose enough for it to be free, but tight enough that she will never let it go. That's the kind of long life you're looking for. We're all looking for. A life that's full, that's long, that we can look out into the future with our friends and our family by us, and have no fear about that coming. Have no fear about next quarter. We can look on through all the quarters to that long and full life that wisdom can give us. In her left hand she holds riches and honor. Honor, I mean, you never thought you'd hear anybody talking about that again, did you? Yeah, honor, this is old school. Riches may come, but they're relative, they're relative and they're inconsequential when compared to the peace, peace, peace of mind, peace among your fellows, a peace of heart, that feeling of being just at ease, not even reflecting on yourself, because that's what anxiety does, right? When you get anxiety, you start looking down on yourself. You start observing yourself in the moment. You start projecting what this would be like in the future. It's like, you no, know, peace that wisdom brings is the kind of thing that you're in the moment. You're happy, even. They say that's going to come back. I don't know. Wisdom brings true riches. Wisdom brings the true riches. Money will not buy you happiness. I know everybody says that. Seems kind of untrue. Wisdom will get you happiness. Doesn't seem like we have a lot much experience with that, does it? I mean, other people. You got a grandpa or something. No, the proverb says money will not buy you happiness, riches will not buy you happiness, but wisdom will. And that's pretty much what that proverb says. I rarely mean, I preach on the proverbs because of this situation, because the proverb is really not designed to be expanded upon, you know? Which is sort of what I do. You know, the expanding, the interpreting, the recontextualizing, you know, the uh, pseudo-bumbling to the end. A proverb isn't like that at all. There's no room to stumble around in it. The nature of a proverb is to be short and straightforward. It's not mysterious. There's no hidden meaning to it. No, it's a proverb, and there's not much more you can say about it. Proverbs don't really easily lend themselves to the midrashic, literary deconstructions and elongations that we usually play in here. Proverbs are just everyday kind of folk wisdom. They're like I like to think of them as the uh, bumper stickers of the Bible or the fortune cookies. They should be short and sticky. They're e- easily understood, easily digestible. Now, a section of the Hebrew Bible called the writings, which includes the Proverbs, for the Jewish faith does not carry the same sacred weight as the five books of Moses and the prophets. The writings are sort of, yeah, you know, it doesn't carry the same sacred weight. And that's the Proverbs. They don't treat them in the same way they would the words of the prophets or Moses. Because it is that, uh, I mean, they liked uh, the Midrash too. There's no way to escape the economy. Hearing about it, I mean, everything we do, we participate in it. I mean, it's really the power that runs the world. And now, I'm not saying that on a, a physical uh, way. I'm talking about a spiritual way. Uh, it's the economy runs the world. Money runs the world. Money is the religion of the world. And uh, all the decisions we make are based on this economic system, this... Distorted capitalist system that tells you either you need to get more or somebody else is getting yours. And at the same time, you don't have enough. Money is the religion. I mean, you what know, we think we say to ourselves, no, that's not true, you know. But you know what? You can say that's not true all oh, you want, but Google says it's true. They know more about you than you do. So, it's true. Wisdom is the true wealth. Google doesn't care. Doesn't believe it. Money doesn't buy you happiness. Wisdom does. It brings you peace and honor and maybe a little wealth and a long life and a long, happy life. Who doesn't want that? Who doesn't want what wisdom can bring you? Can you get that money, be unhappy? Nobody wants that. You know, of course, that's the question, right, hanging out there. Is it true that money doesn't buy you happiness? I mean, this is such a well-worn aphorism that you probably would not be surprised to learn that a lot of studies have been done to prove or disprove this notion that money buys you happiness. Just a few of the findings. A study found that life satisfaction does not tend to increase as a nation's per capita income rises, any nation, but that there is a little increase in life satisfaction once per capita income in the United States rises above $23,000. That's what they found. So money does buy you some happiness, but if you make over $23,000 a year, you've already gotten all the happiness money can buy. Why does increased income have so little effect on happiness? Research shows relative income rather than any certain level of income they found affects well-being. So if you get richer than your peers, you may feel you're better off. You may be happier. But then as soon as you make newer, richer friends, your relative wealth diminishes. And so you're not... uh, that happiness that you gained goes away. Also, people quickly get used to all their new income level. They're used to the stuff their money can buy. Happiness fades. And the amount of money people say they need to be happy rises along with their income, which you could have probably guessed that. The more money you have the more money you feel like you need to be happy. When you start making more money, then you spend more time making money, and you have less leisure time than you did before. A quote from the say says that the activities that higher-income individuals spend relative... They spend... The, the activities that higher-income individuals... Uh, participate in, they spend relatively more of their time engaged in or associated with those money-making activities and those activities bring them no greater happiness. Also brings them slightly higher tension and stress rates are reported. Um, and uh, their life expectancy drops by 14 months. Now, focusing on the illusion that money makes you happy may have an unexpected side effect. It can make your life worse. Focusing um, on the illusion may lead to a misallocation of time, from expecting lengthy commutes, which are among the worst moments of the day, they're reported, to sacrificing time spent socializing, just giving those up so you can make more money, which causes you to participate in the activities that people report make them the least happy. The long-term effect of income gains becomes relatively small because attention shifts to these less novel activities of daily life, like your commute, uh, your having to finish up work at home or work overtime. Researchers have also studied people who've gotten a windfall to see if that affected their level of happiness. They just got somebody, relative, somehow they won the lottery, somebody gave them, they got a windfall. And these researchers found that they did not, those people who got a windfall, they did experience some immediate short-term happiness. However, they found that a windfall of less than $2 million is unlikely to have any lasting effect on personal happiness. And uh, experts found a strong marriage and good health were much more likely to make people feel content than money of any amount. So if you make less than $23,000 a year Or you unexpectedly receive more than two million dollars a year, then money can buy you some happiness. But if you fall in that range, that middle range, and I don't know how many of you do, that range between 23,000 and two million, then the research is very clear for you. Look elsewhere for your happiness. You know, it's funny, though. And you probably aren't like this, I don't know. That most people, when asked, believe that in the future, they will have more money than they do now. Really, universally, people, when asked, reported, they will have more money in the future than they have now. That somehow they will get a better job, or inherit money, or get raises, or... Uh, Whatever way, in the future, you will have more money than you have now, which causes people to uh, act based on that assumption and maybe make some unwise choices in the present. I mean, can you imagine this money, this economics that has become a religion that people think that way in the future something way better is going to happen for them? so they can live their life based on what's coming, like, when they die? It's crazy. So in the future, you're going to have more money. People think this. I mean, not only is money a false god, but it also seems to be like a false messiah like the more money Messiah that is coming in the future. This Messiah will come in the future, save us, bring us more money. The Proverbs and the research tell us, do not look for that more money Messiah. Do not wait and hope for future salvation. Live now. Look elsewhere for happiness. Like how about about wisdom, right? this wisdom that the proverbs is talking about and the psalms talk about it. ecclesiastes talks about it I see some kneeling out there I'm going to get to the rest of the, in the loop part next week but I do want to say this to you the biggest problem that we have right now is that um none of you believe one that you worship the economy and money and none of you, you even care about wisdom at all? Like, what even is that? So, um, now I would like us to uh, ask the ushers to come forward and take a collection. But let's... Uh, go to the table.